0: Welcome to the Doc Washburn Show, the show with a host who says what other hosts aren't allowed to say. The Doc Washburn Show streams live at noon Eastern, 11 a.m. Central, weekdays at DocWashburnShow.com and is available for download at Spotify, Apple, or wherever podcasts are available. The Doc Washburn Show is on Twitter and Facebook. You can email us at contact at DocWashburnShow.com or call us at 866-609-3711. All right, this is episode three of the all-new Doc Washburn Show. Yes, I was fired by one of the biggest radio companies in America simply because I refused their vaccine mandate. Yes, it's obvious last November's presidential election was stolen. No, my old employer would not allow me to say that on the radio. And yes, there is all kinds of evidence out there that a lot of people are having serious negative reactions to the vaccines. So this is a really different kind of talk show than the kind that you're used to hearing on the radio. We are unmasked, uncensored, and unfiltered. Now, a wise man once said, you can tell a lot about a society by the way they treat the most defenseless, the most helpless among us. In America today, we still kill almost a million babies by abortion every year. In America today we torment five-year-olds by restricting their breathing with masks all day. And in America today, we lock up and torment law-abiding citizens because they disagree with the current regime running Washington. Now, there is a great journalist named Julie Kelly over at American Greatness who has been doing story after story to try to publicize the January 6th political prisoners for months now. And I need to share with you what she's saying about the most recent case. She's got a new article over there in American Greatness about this uh, Orell fella. that um, it, it, he's got a broken hand and he's dying of cancer. And they won't give him the medical treatment that he needs. And so yesterday the federal judge held in contempt the warden of the D.C. jail and the director of the D.C. Department of Corrections held them in contempt of court over the government's treatment of the January 6th political prisoners. So what happens with that? Well, the judge, the federal judge, refers this uh, holding in, in contempt to Biden's attorney general, Merrick Garland. Now, we don't expect Merrick Garland to do anything about it, but perhaps it would be the basis for a lawsuit. I don't know. Here's what Julie Kelly over at American Greatness is saying this morning over Twitter. Yesterday, a federal judge said D.C. jail officials are violating the civil rights of January 6th detainees. The man in question has not been convicted of any crime. He doesn't even have a trial date set. But he's been incarcerated since March, and he's dying of cancer. He's from Florida, so his senator's are Rick Scott and Marco Rubio. The leaders of the Republican Party are Mitch McConnell and Kevin McCarthy. Has anyone heard a peep? Has anyone heard a peep? Now, this is a national podcast, but I'm in Little Rock, Arkansas. I've been trying to encourage the members of Congress sent to Washington, D.C. from the state I happen to be in to speak out for the January 6th political prisoners. And uh, nothing. Nothing. They don't want to talk about it. I wonder why that is. wonder why that is. do unto others as you would have them do unto you. We have a lot of people in federal prison charged with nonviolent misdemeanors. These are people with no criminal track record, and they remain in federal prison without bail Many of them without even a trial date, because prosecutors from Joe Biden's Justice Department tell liberal judges, "Well, these people are dangerous because they agree with Trump, who claims the election was rigged. So you can't let them out on bail." Well, when's the uh, when's the the court date? Well, I don't know, sometime next year. Okay, yeah, no bail. No bail. So I'm going to share with you a quick explainer on the case of Mr. Orrell and Judge Lambert's contempt of court ruling and referral to DOJ on potential civil rights violations of all January 6th detainees at the Gulag in D.C. Short little article from Julie Kelly over an American Greatness who says, by the way, the cruel and soulless prosecutors at Biden's Justice Department keep fighting Orrell's release, including in a a filing just in August. They know how sick he is, but they want him punished for protesting Biden's election. That's what this is about. And, and, And let me just tell you something. Somebody said history doesn't necessarily repeat itself, but it rhymes. When I was in the eighth grade, I remember in American history quite clearly, we were taught that Warren Harding ran for president in 1920 on a slogan of return to normalcy, but I didn't know what that meant until about 15 years ago when I read a book called Liberal Fascism by a guy named Jonah Goldberg. And what it meant was Harding, when he was running for president, said, look, uh, if you elect me, I will set free the 100,000 political prisoners that Wilson has in jail. And people were like, "Uh, yeah, yeah, we'd like to do that. Anyway, here is Julie Kelly's new article from American Greatness called Federal Judge Finds D.C. Jail Officials in Contempt demands civil rights inquiry. And if you're sitting there going, well, Doc, you know, I mean, why should I be concerned about this? Need I tell you? Do, do you really want to know? I mean, I'm thinking if you're listening that you probably know exactly why you should be concerned about this. But just in case, just in case you don't know, let me remind you, there was a Lutheran pastor in Germany named Martin Niemöller. I hope I'm pronouncing his name right. after World War II. He wrote a little poem, and it said, First they came for the socialists, and I did not speak out because I was not a socialist. Then they came for the trade unionists, and I did not speak out because I was not a trade unionist. Then they came for the Jews, and I did not speak out because I was not a Jew. Then they came for me, and there was no one left to speak for me. If they can hold... Nonviolent Americans with no criminal record, charged with nonviolent misdemeanors after the police opened the doors to let people into the Capitol, without bail for the better part of a year, without a trial date, with the federal government refusing to release 14,000 hours of closed-circuit security camera video from January 6th at the Capitol because a lot of it might be exculpatory to the defendants. They could do that to them. Why do you think they wouldn't eventually wind up doing it to you? Are you awake yet? Are you paying attention? Attorney General Merrick Garland has told the FBI that parents who protest at school board meetings peacefully, complaining about critical race theory, are domestic terrorists who need to be investigated. Are you awake yet? Are you paying attention yet? If they can do it to them, they will get around to you. Don't worry. They'll get to you. All right, let me... uh, Let me get this article from Julie Kelly, American Greatness, and I'll put it on my Facebook page here in a little bit. In a major rebuke of the Justice Department at D.C. Department of Corrections, District Court Judge Royce Lamberth yesterday found the jail's warden and director of the Department of Corrections in contempt of court for refusing to turn over records related to the care of Christopher Worrell a January 6th detainee who suffers from non-Hodgkin's lymphoma and a broken hand. He has been incarcerated under a pre-trial detention order sought by Joe Biden's Justice Department and approved by the court's chief judge since his arrest in March. Warrell has been in the D.C. jail used specifically to house January 6th defendants since April. Judge Lamberth, scheduled the hearing on Tuesday after D.C. jail warden Wanda Patton and Department of Corrections Director Quincy Booth failed to comply with his October 8th order to submit the evaluation by an orthopedic surgeon who determined in June that Worrell needed surgery for a broken hand he suffered in May and also to submit Worrell's medical requests related to needed cancer treatments. Jail officials and attorneys representing the department claimed the screw-up was a miscommunication. But Judge Royce Lamberth rejected their argument. He said, "I I don't accept that explanation. No one noticed in jail that he's sitting there in pain all the time? Does no one care? Well, 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 Judge, the answer is, of course, no one does care. No one does care because these people do not believe in doing unto others as they would have them do unto them. In my humble opinion, they're control freaks. They like power, and they like causing other people pain. Now, Christopher Christopher Worrell's attorney, Alex Savron, told Judge Lamberth his client, is being subjected to cruel and unusual punishment in the jail. I would say so. If you've had a broken hand for months and they won't let you get medical treatment for it, if you're dying of cancer, they won't let you get medical treatment, yeah, I would say cruel cruel and unusual punishment. A medical team recommended that Worrell start receiving six months of, of intense chemotherapy and radiation, but jail officials were vague, as to how they would care for Worrell's side effects, including ongoing pain and nausea. Remember, this man has been convicted of nothing. His trial date has not even been set. And he's denied bail. Judge Lamberth called the jail's treatment of Worrell inexcusable and questioned aloud whether Warrell was being treated differently because he's a January 6th defendant. She, I wonder, I wonder, Judge, if that's possible. Julie Kelly says she has reported here for months how the constitutional and human rights of January 6th detainees have been routinely violated at the D.C. jail. Are you hearing about this anywhere else, by the way? I don't know. I don't know. Republicans in Congress aren't talking about it, with very few exceptions. People like Marjorie Taylor Greene in Georgia and Judge Louis Gomert out of Texas, and a handful of others have brought it up, but very few exceptions. You know who I'd like to hear from on this? because he's really good at giving a speech. He's really good at speaking up for the downtrodden. That will be Trey Gowdy, former congressman out of South Carolina. I don't think he said anything either about this. wonder why. Now, if I missed it, y'all let me know. Anyway. In an order filed after the hearing, Lambert referred the matter to the Attorney General for appropriate inquiry into potential civil rights violations of January 6th defendants as exemplified in this case. Now, do I think there's any chance in the world that Merrick Garland will touch this with a 10-foot pole? No, I don't. Now, Julie Kelly gives some background on this. The FBI raided Worrell's home in Cape Coral, Florida on March 12th and charged him with multiple offenses, including spraying a police officer with pepper spray, disorderly conduct, and civil disorder. Worrell, who has no criminal record, never entered the Capitol building. A few days after his arrest, Judge Beryl Howell, an Obama appointee and chief judge of the D.C. District Court, handling... Every January 6 case reversed a lower court ruling allowing for Worrell's release. The court was aware of his cancer diagnosis, but ordered him transported from Florida to the D.C. jail anyway. In June, Lamberth denied another motion for Worrell's release. An emergency motion for Worrell's release filed by his former attorney in August is still pending before the court. Joe Biden's Justice Department still wants Worrell held behind bars despite his deteriorating condition, arguing in a response motion that Worrell, quote, has received substantial and timely care, unquote. Now, as I've told you, if you work for the Biden administration, you get paid to lie. You get paid to lie. By the way, a trial day for O'Rell has not been set. I'll put this on my uh, Facebook page when I get a chance. But it's outrageous. It's outrageous. It's unconscionable. And it's certainly outrageous and unconscionable that hardly anyone in conservative media Or for that matter, hardly anyone Republican in the Congress is saying anything about this. You know what I found odd was a few months ago, a couple of Democrat senators, Liz Warren, Massachusetts, and Dick Durbin, Illinois, actually said, actually said that it was troubling that there were so many protesters from January 6th being held without bail, people charged with nonviolent misdemeanors. Now, uh, the great Will Chamberlain, co-publisher of Human Events. Here's what he's saying today. A January 6th detainee broke his wrist in May while in custody. Five months later, he still hasn't had the necessary surgery. Yesterday, a federal judge held the warden of the D.C. jail in contempt of court for it. And yet, crickets from the media and crickets from elected Republicans He says, I remember there being a lot of advocacy organizations against mass incarceration, is what they called it, and for prisoners' rights. weird how they're totally silent on this egregious third-world treatment of prisoners in the nation's capital. Yeah, it is weird, Will. It is weird, Will. And we don't understand it. We do not understand it. Okay, you know who Sanjay Gupta is? Sanjay Gupta is the medical guy over at CNN. And Sanjay Gupta, this has been kind of viral in social media. A lot of people have been talking about it. Sanjay Gupta made a big mistake yesterday. He went on Joe Rogan's video podcast because he wanted to promote a book. And Mr. Rogan was ready for him. Now, the first voice you will hear is the voice of Sanjay
1: Gupta. Horse to not a flattering thing. I get it's that. It's a lie. It's a lie on a news network, and it's a lie that's a willing that's that's a lie that they're conscious of it's not a mistake yeah
0: the first thing it's kind of he's kind of slurred his words the first thing sanjay gupta said was horse dewormer is not a flattering term and then that's what rogan is responding to it's a lie it's a willing knowing lie and you notice that sanjay gupta responds yeah So he knows that his employer, CNN, lied about this. See, Joe Rogan got COVID, the Wu flu, the China virus. He took ivermectin, and he got better pretty quickly. And CNN lied about it and said he was taking a horse dewormer. It's like they were upset that he didn't die. Sanjay Gupta is the medical expert that's on CNN.
2: So here's more. They're unfavorably framing it as veterinary medicine. Well, the FDA put this thing out. You saw that. Did you see that thing that the FDA put out? What did the FDA put out? (laughs) It was a tweet, and it was snarky. I admit it. They said, you are not a horse, you are not a cow, stop taking this stuff, or something like that. Why would you say that when you're talking about a
1: drug that's been given out to billions and billions of people, a drug that was responsible for one of the inventors of it making the Nobel Prize in 2015. Fifteen, yeah. Yeah, A a drug that has been shown to stop viral replication in vitro. You know that, right? I, I, Why would they lie and say that's horse dewormer? I can afford people medicine. This is ridiculous. It's just a lie. I don't think anyone is. Th- but don't you think that a lie like that is dangerous on a news network when you know that they know they're lying? You know that they know that I took medicine. Like here it is. This is ivermectin. You got it, with it right you. here. Somebody gave it to me. Okay,
0: Sanjay Gupta is very uncomfortable. Because he's used to being in the echo chamber of a CNN studio where no one challenges him and no one challenges the lies of CNN. He's totally out of his element here. He's very uncomfortable and he doesn't know what to do. And Rogan won't let him go. So it's really delightful. It's really delightful.
2: And here's more. All right, hang on. I, I do. You, the, the thing is, we're, we're we're like going so fast. Like I feel like I'm missing. I'm missing. Do you think I that want that to, that's a
1: problem that your
0: news network not, lies? Hang on, hang on. We're going so fast. No, we're not going so fast. You're being held accountable. All right. It's really simple. It's not complicated. You work for CNN. You're the medical expert there. They repeatedly lied and said that Joe Rogan took horse dewormer. It's not true. You know it's not true. And you want to change the subject. Squirrel! And Joe is really good at what he's doing, and he's not going to let you. So... As 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 Joe said here towards the end of that clip I just played, I'm
1: missing. I'm missing. Do you think I want that to, that's a problem that your news network not, lies? Do you think that's a
0: problem that your news network lies? Pretty cut and dry, pretty simple question, right? Okay, then Sanjay Gupta tries to respond.
2: Well, I don't. I don't. Dude, what do they say? What do they say?
0: He's been telling you over and over and over and over and over again what they said. How can you say, what did they say? Really? Really? But this is Sanjay Gupta. He's got nothing to fall back on.
1: Here's more. They lied what and did they said say? I was taking horse dewormer. First of all, it was prescribed to me by a doctor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Along they shouldn't have Along with a it was bunch worse. of if, other if medications. Was, if you
2: got a human pill because there were people that were taking it the veterinary medication and i you're not obviously you got it from a doctor so that it shouldn't be called that ivermectin can be a very effective medication for parasitic disease and as you say it's probably you know i think what a quarter billion people have taken it around the world I get that way more so way more billions of people have
1: taken it
0: so rogan's not going to let him up and he's scrambling, he's fumbling, he's tap dancing, and Rogan's like, no, that's not what happens when you come on this show. Here's more.
2: Can I just come back to the one? I want to talk about two things on the have ledger. To,
1: you have, before we get to that, does it bother you that the news network you work for out and out lied, well, just outright lied about me taking horse dewormer?
2: They, they They shouldn't have said that. Why did they do that? I don't know. You didn't ask? I you didn't, didn't think that was were? You? You're the medical guy over there. I didn't ask. I should have asked before coming into the podcast. But they did it with Padres. such glee. No, yes Joe. I watched.
0: Yeah, they did. They lied with glee. No, Joe. Yeah, they did. I watched. I have a theory for why CNN's lies did not bother Sanjay Gupta, their medical expert so-called enough to challenge them on their lies. I have a theory about why it didn't bother him enough for him to bring it up. You hear my theory? Because the checks cleared. That's it. Because the checks cleared, because he kept getting paid. That's it. Now, I have made it a point to avoid watching Fox News since they stabbed us all in the back last November with the election. For some reason, my wife had the Fox and Friends show on this morning, and they played the whole two minutes and 20 seconds of Joe Rogan and Sanjay Gupta that I just played for you, And, you know, Fox News' morning show has uh, Brian Kilmeade on one end of the couch and Steve Ducey on the other end of the couch. And they always have a female in the middle. Brian and Steve have kept their jobs for over 20 years. They've gone through several females. The most recent one that's been there for a few years is a a very pleasant, uh, attractive young lady named Ainsley Earhart. And Ainsley Earhart came to the defense of this horrible Sanjay Gupta. This big lib Sanjay Gupta. And Ainsley Earhart said, well, in his defense, you know, it's not like he can watch CNN 24 hours a day, seven days a week, so he didn't necessarily know about Ainsley. No, 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 no. At no point did Sanjay Gupta, when being interrogated, given the third degree by Joe Rogan, at no point did he say, oh, no, wait a minute, they did what? At no point did he express surprise. Well, gee, I didn't know that my employer, CNN, lied about the nature of the ivermectin you you took. No, he knew. It's clear, it's obvious, he knew, he knew, he knew. But again, this is the same Ainsley Earhart sitting in the middle of the curvy couch on Fox and Friends, who, when Chris Wallace was criticized by conservatives for defending dementia Joe a few months ago, responded, Well now, Chris is Chris, you know, Chris works here. He's like family and we like Chris. Yeah. Okay, Ainsley. I, I guess I guess you don't have to be an actual, consistent conservative, to get a paycheck from Fox News. Uh, I'm sorry. Now, as we said online, what does. Joe Rogan's holding Sanjay Gupta of CNN accountable have to do with Doc's former employer firing people. Well, I'll tell you. I'll tell you. Sanjay Gupta has been doing morning updates for something called Westwood One now for years. And he doesn't always get it right because he is a card-carrying liberal who, in my humble opinion, lets his political ideology – Color everything else. You know, he's not a doctor first; he's a liberal first. Well, Cumulus Media, the company that fired me for not getting the vaccination, requires—I think they—I think he's still on there—requires their morning talk shows to carry Sanjay Gupta's updates because Cumulus Media owns Westwood One. Well, Cumulus has a big FM talk radio station in Nashville, Tennessee. I think they call it Super Talk, 99.7. And they had a very popular morning show host, a guy named Ralph Bristol, had been doing the morning show there for 11 years. And in 2018, they fired him because he wouldn't stop calling into question some of the things Sanjay Gupta said. So Cumulus was making a big mistake by trying to jam liberal con- content down the throats of conservative talk radio listeners. Ralph Bristol, their morning guy in Nashville in 2018, was trying to stand up for his listeners. because right, I got to tell you something. I got to tell you something. Putting liberal content on a conservative talk radio station would be about as bad as putting gangster rap on a classic country oldie station. You can't do it. People don't want to hear that kind of garbage. And Ralph Bristol, then longtime morning show host at Super Talk 99.7, Cumulus Media Talk Radio Station in Nashville, knew that. And he was trying to stand up for his listeners by pushing back at some of the garbage that Sanjay Gupta was saying on the Cumulus-sponsored update that all their talk stations had to carry in Morning Drive. And Cumulus told him to cut it out. They wanted him to act like Sanjay Gupta was an actual respected uh, medical expert that people should accept as gospel whatever he said whether they're conservative or liberal. And Ralph wouldn't do it. So they fired him in 2018. Now, I've never met Ralph Bristol, but I admire him. I admire him. Well, he's got a new Facebook post out this morning, and I want to share it with you because... Number one, it's very well written. Number two, it speaks to exactly what's going on in our country right now. And number three, as a talk radio listener, I think it's a crying shame that these big radio companies get rid of important voices that speak to what's going on in our country right now. Okay? Hang on just a second. I I, I got to take a break. I got to take a breath. I mean, <laughs> I got to take a breath and get a drink of water. Um, this will be quick and painless. Only take about twenty five seconds. You're listening to The Doc Washburn Show, the show that talks about what you actually care about. The Doc Washburn Show streams live at noon Eastern, 11 a.m. Central, weekdays at docwashburnshow.com and is available for download at Spotify, Apple, or wherever podcasts are available. The Doc Washburn Show is on Twitter and Facebook. You can email us at contact at docwashburnshow.com or call us at 866-609-3711. All right. So you got... Sanjay Gupta, for the first time in his life, publicly being held accountable by Joe Rogan, he's very uncomfortable with the fact that Rogan keeps on saying, why did your network lie? Why did your network lie? Why did your network lie? Well, well Joe, look, uh, this is going so fast. I, I want to get over here and talk about this. No, 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 no. Why did CNN lie and say I took Horsty dewormer? It wasn't true. You knew it wasn't true. All of them knew it wasn't true. And they did it gleefully. Well, no, Joe. Yes, I watched it. So Rogan did a wonderful job there. And it's about time somebody tries to hold Sanjay Gupta accountable. Three years ago, the morning show host at Cumulus Media's Big Talk radio station in Nashville, Ralph Bristol tried to hold him accountable and Cumulus Media thanked him by firing him. Nope. You just got to suck it up and pretend everything's okay when we when we jam a liberal down your throat. No. Now, today Here's what the great Ralph Bristol, who I am sure is still missed by talk radio listeners in Nashville, Tennessee, and surrounding areas. Here's what he said on Facebook today, and I want to share it with you because he nails it. His Facebook post today is called I Told You So. He says, this is the first time in more than 40 years of writing columns that I have said outright, I told you so. I'm past due. Mandates create more harm than safety. I told you they would. The evidence continues to mount. The reappearance of empty grocery shelves, canceled airline flights, a supply chain bottleneck for the ages, and many other shortages and inconveniences are exacerbated by employees leaving their jobs rather than complying with vaccine mandates. A record 4.3 million people quit their jobs in August. Trucking companies are so desperate for drivers, they are teaching teenage girls to drive. The number of job openings continues to break records and grow by hundreds of thousands a month. And the worst is not over. As holiday shopping promises to choke a supply chain that was already gasping for relief before the vaccine mandates made it much worse. Those who still disagree with me may argue that many, if not most, businesses and the federal government are achieving vaccination levels among their workforce that are much higher than the average in the population, often in the ninety percent, or pardon me, often in the ninety percentile or higher compared to 75% of the eligible population as a whole. But that doesn't take into account the fact that a large part of the 25% who have not been vaccinated are also part of the 33% of the population that has already been infected and developed antibodies as a result. Combining, combining the vaccinated population with the natural antibody through infection population achieves an immunity rate of 90 or more in the eligible population. That leaves a small minority of the population, including children who are not eligible for the vaccine, unprotected by either a vaccine or natural antibodies through infection. The vaccine mandate, pardon me, the vaccine vaccine mandates could not have been more poorly timed. Most of the mandates were imposed when the vast majority of the population already had a high degree of immunity either through being infected or by getting the vaccine, but the labor supply shortage was going from bad to worse. Delta variant cases and hospitalizations peaked September 1st, thanks to more widespread immunity. Many of the vaccine mandates came after the peak, when they were the least necessary, and when supply chain bottlenecks were mounting, with key California ports reporting near record backups and growing. COVID-19 gave the U.S. an unprecedented one-two punch with a new, stronger Delta variant breaking through the defensive lines we had formed against the first virus. It caused the U.S. government and many corporations who take their cues from the government to try to force more people to join the antibody line of defense. They went from recruiting to drafting people to the vaccination army and that backfired by stiffening the natural resistance and triggering even more shortages and inflation. They can't say they weren't warned. All right, that's Ralph Bristol in Facebook this morning, former longtime morning show host at Super Talk 99.7, big cumulus media radio station in Nashville, Tennessee, that fired him three years ago for having the gall to question their medical, quote, expert, unquote, Sanjay Gupta in his morning show when Sanjay liked to pontificate all kinds of liberal political garbage. Ralph Bristol stood up to Sanjay Gupta. Ainsley Earhart over at Fox & Friends morning show on Fox News, defended Sanjay Gupta. Be like Ralph. Don't be like Ainsley. All right? I, I just I just need to highlight people who are speaking up, okay? I need to highlight people who are speaking up. And the Doc Washburn Show, I need to share things with you that you're not going to get anywhere else. I don't ever want you to be able to say, Doc, why didn't you tell us? Why didn't you warn us? By the way, ABC News reporting the U.S. government says it expects households to see their heating bills jump as much as 54% compared to last winter. Now, why do you think that is? Got any thoughts about that? Household heating bills, they say, are probably going to be 54% higher this winter than they were last year. Joe Biden promised he wasn't going to raise your taxes if you make less than $400,000 a year. He didn't promise that he wasn't going to make it difficult for you to be able to heat your home in the wintertime, did he? No. No, he sure didn't. And by the way, he is raising your taxes if you make less than 400000 a year. The great Matt Whitlock, Republican communicator out there on Twitter, says, you know, they are about... Twenty different ways the Biden administration made this happen. Heating bills jumping as much as fifty-four percent compared to last winter. He said, "Let's do this first of all." Number one, canceling the Keystone XL pipeline. The Obama administration estimated Keystone would create forty-three thousand jobs and generate four point three billion dollars in economic activity. It moved 830,000 barrels of crude oil a day in the safest way possible. Now it's moved by train and or truck slower and more expensive. All right, what else has Biden done to raise your heating bill this winter? Number two, halting oil and gas leases on federal land. In 2019, federal leases made up for 22% Of U.S. oil, and I don't know what that is, but I hope I don't hear it again. Let me try this again. In 2019, federal leases made up for 22% of U.S. oil and 12% of natural gas production. The pause didn't last, but it hurt jobs and began the slow rise of energy costs they're now trying to make up for. The pause the halting of oil and gas leases on federal land. Number three, canceling oil leases in Alaska's Arctic National Wildlife Refuge, or what the Wall Street Journal referred to as America's energy gift to dictators. Number four, lifting sanctions on Nord Stream 2, enriching Putin and the Kremlin and giving him power and leverage over Europe almost immediately after Biden killed Keystone, thousands of jobs and family pocketbooks here at home. Well, see, that's weird, because I thought the libs said that Trump did the bidding of Putin. Oh, so it's actually Biden. Dementia Joe, otherwise known as Let's Go Brandon. Number five. When energy prices started rising, instead of going to domestic energy producers, Biden went to OPEC and Russia. To ask them to produce more. And he links to a good letter from Republican senators explaining why that move was terrible for American energy. I'll try to share this also on my Facebook Patreon in a little bit. Number six, skewing energy plans toward wind, solar, and electric vehicles relies heavily on minerals that we need from China putting them in the driver's seat for our energy and climate future. Number seven, Biden's enhanced unemployment benefits destroyed the trucking industry, hurting supply chains for all sorts of goods, but also slowing energy conveyance around the country. It still hasn't come close to recovering. There are several egregious climate policies in the Biden spending bill. Some of the worst for energy costs, climate police, new methane taxes, new natural gas taxes, mandated shift to wind and solar within eight years, and more mining and energy withdrawals. Okay? The Biden spending bill has $100 billion for green energy, special interest subsidies, loans, and carve-outs, many of which deliver money directly to the wallets of elected Democrats, Secretary Granholm, and a giant swatch of Democrat donors. Incredible that the day before Biden groveled to energy companies to help lower costs, his EPA administrator was out touting his plan for a giant truckload of new job-killing, energy-price-raising environmental regulations. Biden and the left's hostility toward energy development has oil production down 15% from pre-pandemic levels. And people wonder. People wonder why their energy why why, why the price is going up at the uh, at the pump at the gas pump. know what I'm saying? People wonder because folk are not going to be ready for this. Low-income low, low income folk, when it gets cold this, this winter and your heating costs are up 54%, they're not going to be ready for that. They're absolutely not going to be ready for that. And they're gonna, not going to understand why it is. Not even going to understand it. No, no. Now, what what did Dementia Joe say yesterday about everything? Here he is at the White House. Stepping up to the podium.
3: Well, good afternoon, everyone. I know uh, you're hearing a lot about something called supply chains and how hard it is to uh, get a range of things from a toaster, to sneakers, to bicycles, to bedroom furniture.
0: You're hearing a lot about something called supply chains. Like this is some kind of new concept for him. Like he thinks we don't know what supply chains are. All right. All right. I'm sorry. More from uh, the occupant of the Oval Office. Let's go, Brandon.
3: And uh, that's why back in February... I signed a piece of legislation on supply chain a, a executive order on supply chains and what well, we had to move on it. And with the holidays coming up, you might be wondering if gifts you plan to buy will arrive on time. Well, let me explain. Supply chains essentially mean how we make things and how the material and parts get delivered to factory, a factory, so we can manufacture things and manufacture them here. How we move things, how a finished product moves from a factory to a store to your home.
0: Really? So that's what supply chains mean. See, because none of us have ever heard of supply chains before. Dementia Joe. Let's go, Brandon. None of, none of us have ever heard any of that before. Well, thanks for thanks for breaking that down for us, big guy. That's a Hunter called you, right, big guy? Because you had a percentage of all his ill gotten gains. Right, big guy? <sighs> Unfreaking believable. Unfreaking believable. And people. People don't understand, do they? I'm telling you, they're going to be low-income people this winter who don't understand why everything's more expensive. A lot of them are going to be church-going folk, and their pastors going to tell them to keep voting Democrat. You know what I'm saying. It's a shame. It's a shame. Now, I need to share something else with you, and a a hat tip to Dr. Andrew Boston, academic internist and epidemiologist. Former Atlantic Hawks basketball guard Brandon Goodwin claims COVID-19 vaccine ended his season He recalled, my back really started hurting bad. Then I'm like, okay, I need to go to the doctor. That's when I found out I had blood clots. That's all within the span of a month. Goodwin then left nothing up to the imagination when he revealed what he believed caused the health issues. He said, I was fine until then. I was fine up until I took the vaccine. I was fine. I, uh really admire this young man named Kyrie Irving for saying, nope. Not going to take it, man. Not going to take it. Now, trial attorney and opinion columnist Marina Medvin, again over on Twitter, said, you know, the science in 2018 said even N95 masks don't stop the spread of viruses. And she links to it here. Quote, We conducted a cluster-randomized, investigator-blinded, multi-site effectiveness study conferring, comparing N95 to MM in geographically diverse, high-exposure, outpatient settings between 2011 and 2016. Each year, during VR2 season, in other words, flu season, participants were assigned devices when within six feet of patients with known or suspected respiratory illness, respiratory swabs were collected from symptomatic and asymptomatic participants. In this outpatient-based, cluster-randomized, controlled trial, neither N95 nor MM resulted in superior protection from LCI or VR2. The science said that even the N95 masks didn't work in 2018. What changed? What changed? By the way, one of the things I love doing is talking about the elephant in the room. All right? Here's what the New York Times has on a graph. COVID nineteen deaths in the United States are one hundred thirty one percent higher today. than they were at the same point last year. Majority of Americans are vaccinated today. Nobody was fully vaccinated a year ago. This is the vaccines working. I'd hate to see what it looks like when they don't. You know what I'm saying? I mean, it's, um, It's outrageous. Now, we've got an anonymous thing from a doctor. And when I read it to you, you'll know why he had to remain anonymous. He says, has anyone else encountered this criminal rule I'm about to describe? The other night, I was on call. And a patient up on the floor was having a severe asthma attack. He has known severe asthma. He was admitted for an orthopedic injury after a fall. He had incidentally been tested positive for COVID on admission, but had been vaccine had, had gotten the vax and had no symptoms of COVID. So tested positive, but he's already fully vaccinated. My resident ordered a duaneb, a nebulizer treatment for asthma. I was immediately told by nurses and RTs. That was not allowed because the patient has COVID. I didn't believe them. I asked them, let me get this straight. For the last 18 months, you have not been administering nebulized breathing treatments or BiPAP to COVID patients, perhaps the patients that would need it the most? The answer I got was correct. I got upset, insisted on reaching the physician admin who's in charge of the committees who makes these rules. And I reached her in the middle of the night and explained, this man may die because of an outrageous rule, and that I, the physician at bedside, thinks this is clinically indicated. I would, character, I would categorize this as malpractice. I also said, so if y'all actually believe this vaccine works, you are choosing, believing a PCR test with a known false positive rate. And based on this test, you're withholding treatment to a patient that's having an asthma attack. Furthermore, they've been withholding these treatments to COVID-19 patients. I'm outraged to have found this out. After I spoke to the admin, she let me give the albuterol, but she did say that they've that they're removing this rule soon anyway. I told her it was 18 months too late. I don't think people understand that docs have no power. At least the docs who want to do the right thing. I had to fight to get an albuterol nebulizer. I happened to be there. I had to fight back and get permission from another doc admin to do a normal thing and treat a patient with asthma. Why do people read this and still think I did nothing? I'm a surgeon. I'm still the boss in the OR, fortunately. On the floor dealing with things I don't deal with, Often, like asthma with these nursing supervisors, I can order something and insist on anything I want. Doesn't mean they'll follow the order if there's some asinine institutional protocol. I did fight. I got the personal number of an admin, woke her up in the middle of the night, made her agree. I mean, but this takes me back to what I seen the other day. Which is how many people go to hospital, test positive with COVID, have the symptoms, and they don't treat them. They don't give them anything. Put them in bed, eventually put them on a a vent, and they die. when they could have given them ivermectin. Why are our healthcare facilities... Why are doctors who take the Hippocratic Oath first do no, do no harm? Why are they killing people? Now, before the Wu flu kicked in, before the China virus kicked in, the third leading cause of death in America was medical mistakes. But it takes it a whole different level. It takes it a whole different level. When you lie and you deny them the ivermectin. And by the way, earlier, 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 we were playing Sanjay Gupta and Joe Rogan. And Sanjay Gupta was saying, yeah, ivermectin is great for uh, dealing with parasitic infections. Okay? How do we know that the Rona doesn't have something to do with parasites? I'm just asking. I'm just asking. Now, White House press secretary yesterday, Jen Psaki, took a question about inflation, and she said something that was just remarkable and shows either how out of touch she is or how much she enjoys getting paid to lie or both.
4: I know you do,
2: but when the deceleration is happening slower perhaps than people expected a few months ago, yeah. and people are still paying 10 or 15 or 20% more for meat, and they're saying, why was it supposed to be transitory three months ago, 10 months ago, and we're still here? Does that make things more difficult to explain? as to what this is. Based.
4: Well, it requires us explaining, and through working with all of you as well, that um, the cost of meat is also related to competition, and the, uh, the, the small number of large uh, meat producers who have a dominance over the market, and uh, the fact that a lot of these issues are uh, not as simple as a one-sentence explanation, uh, and that different industries have different issues in the supply chains, different issues that are causing some increases in prices, and also because we Well, understand the American people are not looking at cost-to-cost comparisons from this year to two years ago. They're looking at cost-to-cost comparisons to their checkbooks from eight months ago or 12 months ago. And even though factually, if you look back to two years ago, things may be comparative, that's not how people look at things. So our objective here is to tackle each of these issues uh, with the approach that we think will help address it in the shortest term.
0: Wait. The White House press secretary just said, we all understand the American people are not looking at cost-to-cost comparisons from this year to two years ago. What? So we're not aware the prices are rising. What? Seriously? So, Dementia Joe's Chief of Staff a guy named Ron Klein went out there on Twitter yesterday and said like many other problems we have inherited we are tackling the supply chain mess the great hans monkey over the epic over at the epictimes.com responded time it takes for containers shipped across pacific ocean 15 to 30 days Time it takes to unload container ship, one to three days. Days since Biden took office, 266. So you didn't inherit anything. You didn't inherit anything. All right, now, NPR, of all places, back in August did an article, highly vaccinated Israel is seeing a dramatic surge in new COVID cases. Really? Why? Here are the reasons they give. Number one, immunity from the vaccine dips over time. Really? So it's not a real vaccine. Your immunity from the smallpox vaccine or the polio vaccine didn't dip over time. Number two, the Delta variant broke through the vaccine's waning protection. Oh, ah, I wonder if there's some kind of connection there. Number three, if you get infected, being vaccinated helps. Well, it didn't help the people who have been fully vaccinated who have died. Number four, Israel's high vaccination rate isn't high enough. Number five, vaccinations are key, but they're not a. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. It goes back to the old I'm vaccinated, but I'm not protected from you if you're not. Really? Really? Man, oh man, oh man, oh man. I got to tell you. uh, We live in a, uh, a rough world. We live in a rough world. Now, for what it's worth, for what it's worth, the um, the Courier Mail, which is a big newspaper down in Australia, has a big article out. That says if you are fully vaccinated against COVID, the next step to improve your immunity maybe may be to actually catch the virus. And Thomas Massey, one of the few great members of the U.S. House, says at least one news outlet has begun the slow walk to acknowledging that everyone is going to catch this eventually, whether they are vaccinated or not. Whether they are vaccinated or not. Wow. Wow, man. All right, there is there is so much. No, I'm not going to stop in an hour. There's so much. I I I, I got to, I got stuff I got to get to. Okay, so Emma Colton has this over at Fox News article entitled "Babbitt Shooting." Internal police documents reveal no good reason for shooting, according to Judicial Watch. Have you heard about this anywhere? More than 500 pages of internal documents from D.C. Metropolitan Police concerning the fatal shooting of Ashley Babbitt in the Capitol on January 6 reveal witness accounts stating she was not holding a weapon at the time of her death and how upset the officer was after shooting her. He was? Tom Fitton, president of Judicial Watch, which obtained the documents through a Freedom of Information Act lawsuit in May of 2021, said these previously secret records show there was no good reason to shoot and kill Ashley Babbitt. The Biden-Garland Justice Department and the Pelosi Congress have much to answer for over the mishandling and cover-up of this scandalous killing of an, of an American citizen by U, the U.S. Capitol Police. Now, Ashley Babbitt, United States Air Force veteran, was shot and killed during what they call the storming of the Capitol. How do you storm something when the police open the door and let you in? But they got the narrative. Even Fox News has the narrative. The storming of the Capitol by a bullet fired by Capitol Police Officer Lieutenant Michael Byrd. The documents from the D.C. Metropolitan Police Department show witnesses did not see Babbitt holding a weapon prior to her being shot and reveal conflicting accounts of whether Bird verbally warned Babbitt before shooting her. A Capitol Police sergeant whose name is redacted described seeing Babbitt climbing through a broken window but did not witness her holding a weapon according to a portion of the documents received by Judicial Watch. Well, she didn't get through it, that's for sure. The Internal Affairs Division report of the Capitol Police stated, and I quote, Sergeant Redacted observed a white female protester was climbing through an open area where the glass pane had been knocked out. He heard a gunshot and this female fell backwards through the opening. The crowd on the other side of the barricaded east doors began to step back and some put their hands in the air. Sergeant Redacted observed Lieutenant Bird step back just after hearing the gunshot. He did not see anything in the female protester's hands prior to the gunshot. The report continues. Sergeant Redacted never went on the other side of the barricaded east door. He also did not know that it was Lieutenant Bird who shot his gun until he talked to him moments after it occurred. Lieutenant Bird looked upset and stated, I was the one who took the shot really judicial watch noted that in a written transcript of the interview with the sergeant, he detailed, he was not sure if something happened to bird that caused him to take the shot or not. The written transcript again, which judicial watch got from a freedom of information act request. The written transcript says, uh, I saw Lieutenant bird kind of, I don't know if it was before or after, because I was trying to figure this out. But there was at one point where I remember seeing him, and he kind of went like this and then came back up again. Uh, I don't know if that was from him taking the shot and then stepping back from that shot or if it was before that. I can't, no matter how I tried to rack my brain, I can't I can't figure out when that happened. But uh, So I don't know if something happened to him where caused him to take the shot or not. The sergeant went on to describe that Lieutenant Byrd was visibly upset after shooting Babbitt. The transcript of the interview states, no, his eyes were red. He was, you could see he was visibly upset, and he just, you know, kind of comforted him and told him, you know, we got to get out of here. The interviewer asked the sergeant if he approached Babbitt after the shot, and he responded, no, 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 I maintained my position. Well, you certainly want to, wouldn't want to give her CPR, would you? Oh, heck no. He added, "No, I'm going to have to take this back because I'm, I'm reading something. All right, where where'd it go? Well, okay, I was reading a thing and somebody took control of my computer, so I'll just uh, see if I can get it back. Okay. He added that Lieutenant Byrd directed him and other officers to go down into the subway following the shooting the interviewer also asked, this was not a typical day, was it? The sergeant replied, definitely not my craziest day there. Saying the closest event to compare it to was the shots fired back in 04 at 05 in the Rayburn building. The interview asked the sergeant if January 6th was a frightening experience, to which the sergeant responded, oh yeah, I'm not afraid to say I was, I was scared blank. The Internal Affairs Division also conducted a different interview with another Capitol Hill officer, Capitol Police officer on January 6th, who was positioned directly behind Lt. Byrd in the Speaker's lobby during the shooting of Babbitt. The summary report states he did not see Ms. McInty, which is what they're calling Babbitt for some reason, in possession of any potential weapons. He re- reiterated that he did not observe that she was armed. The, that interviewee also described Lieutenant Bird as upset following the shooting. The report continued, Lieutenant Bird was shaking. He did not say anything. Bird was nervous, teary-eyed, and appeared very upset. His voice was also shaky when he called for medical assistance over the radio. Lieutenant Bird was still very upset. That interviewee also said that a man with a beard wearing a suit attended to Babbitt, according to transcripts of the interview. Neither he nor the sergeant interviewed were able to provide the identity of the bearded man in the suit, but said they believe he was with the House Sergeant at Arms Office. Yet another report also stated that a sergeant did not see a weapon in Babbitt's hands before hearing a gunshot. That report added investigators recovered a paraforce folding knife in Ms. Babbitt's pants pocket. Well, see, there you go. They'll look for any excuse. It says, the crowd on the outside of the previously barricaded east doors began to step back, and some raised their hands in the air. Sergeant Redacted did not see anything in Miss Babbitt's hands prior to hearing the gunshot. Another report on an interview with a Capitol Police officer on February 4th stated he did not hear any verbal commands before Babbitt was shot. See, that's it. They keep lying. Well, she should have uh, obeyed the commands. There were none. There were none. The guy... Ambushed her, murdered her, murdered her. It goes on and on, but again, we were told publicly, we were told publicly that there was a complete investigation and there's no reason to prosecute Lieutenant Michael Byrd, who murdered Ashley Babbitt and so judicial watch does a freedom of information act request and they get they get the internal affairs report saying there was no reason there was no reason for that man to shoot that woman. All right? So why is he not prosecuted? Well, the question kind of answers itself, doesn't it? He's not prosecuted because the Biden regime is going after their political enemies. And she supported Trump. Unarmed? Not warned? See... In America, we don't have capital punishment for people who are trespassing. We just we just don't. In a public building. We just don't. Now, I, I don't know if you heard about this, but there is a restaurant down in Florida somewhere that has a... Uh, has a sign out. It says, if you voted for and continue to support and stand behind the worthless, inept, and corrupt administration currently inhabiting the White House that is complicit in the death of our servicemen and women in Afghanistan, please take your business elsewhere. God bless America, and God bless our soldiers. I need to find out where that is in Florida, so the next time, Oh. Oh, somebody uh, somebody says it here. Okay, all right. Restaurant is called The Diner, D E B A R Y, located in Deberry, Florida, Central Florida. Owner and family are huge veteran supporters. If you plan to go, check their website to see if they're open. Theberrydiner.com. Wow. That's phenomenal. That is absolutely phenomenal. Um, <clears throat> pardon me. Laura Logan, the great investigative reporter, accuses Biden administration of hiding hiding evidence of COVID-19 vaccine side effects. And that's just phenomenal. She is phenomenal. And, of course, the liberal mainstream media is saying, oh, that's baseless. Oh, no, Biden's wonderful. He'd never do that. But, of course. But, of course, he does. I got to tell you, there's so much, and, you know, I, uh, oh, Okay, well, we got to do this. No, no, before we hang it up for the day, we got to do this. Um, So, Angelo Isaduro over the postmillennial.com. Biden may be pulled into FBI probe of his son, Hunter. Report. Oh, that's right. That's right. That's right. It links. It links. (laughs) to the UK Daily Mail. Exclusive. Joe Biden could become embroiled in the FBI's probe into Hunter's finances, experts say. Emails reveal they shared bank accounts, paid each other's bills, and Dementia Joe may have even funded his son's 2018 drug and prostitution binge. Well, I never. My stars and goddess. Great garden peas. I'm transmogrified up in here, y'all. Well, I never. Joe Biden may have even funded his son's 2018 drug and prostitution binge. Well, if that don't beat all, I just don't know what to think. I am stunned. A great paragon of moral virtue, like Dementia Joe, otherwise known as Let's Go Brandon, may have funded his son's 2018 drug and prostitution binge. I'm not even going to lie, fam. I, I don't know what to do with this. <sighs> but I digress. Emails from Hunter Biden's abandoned laptop obtained by UK Daily Mail, revealed Joe and Hunter shared bank accounts and paid each other's bills. Dementia Joe, otherwise known as Let's Go Brandon, may have inadvertently funded his son's 2018 drug and prostitution bench. Oh, inadvertently. Yeah, 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 because he couldn't have known, right? This is the same Hunter Biden that uh, texted his dad that his girlfriend, his brother's widow, didn't want to come over to the house anymore with the kids because she was upset he was walking around naked and, and, and smoking crack, and Dad wouldn't have known. Right. Right. Emails between Hunter and Eric Schwerin, his business partner and consultancy firm Rosemont Seneca, show Schwerin was working on Dementia Joe's taxes. So it's Schwerin's fault that Dementia Joe owes a half a million dollars in taxes anyway the claim raises serious questions about whether funds from the joint accounts were used for hunters may 2018 week-long bender with the prostitution so that's what they're calling it these days a bender is that is anything like when somebody tells somebody else when they're real upset with them hey 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 body get bent Well, it's the same root word. I don't know. It all goes back to Latin. I'm not all that bright. I don't know. Last December, Hunter admitted in a public statement he was under federal investigation over his tax affairs. A former federal prosecutor tells UK Daily Mail that if money was flowing between Hunter and his father, that could make Joe a target of the probe. Well, I'm sure Merrick Garland's DOJ and the FBI... And never met a Democrat they don't like. I'm sure they'll be all over this like white and the proverbial race. The FBI and IRS probe is reportedly also looking at Hunter's foreign business relationships and the potential for money laundering charges. Let me let me see let me see if I get this straight now. Let's see, how I remember. <clears throat> so the FBI director serves at whose pleasure? Oh yeah, the guy in the Oval Office, right? And the IRS director serves a whose pleasure? Oh yeah, the guy in the Oval Office. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So we're supposed to think that this would go somewhere. I mean I'm just saying that. Well, no. I mean, it's always a good idea to get the 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 truth out about stuff. You know, <laughs> I'm starting to sound like some of my Facebook friends, Doc. You know, nothing's going to happen. Well, yeah, but I also know that, you know, I shouldn't be, I shouldn't be holding back. I shouldn't. I should. I should let you know things now. Scott Adams. Scott Adams, cartoonist for one of the best, if not the best, comic strip in history, Dilbert. He's out there last night on Twitter saying, can we get the Mexican cartels to help us with our supply chain issues? They don't seem to have trouble getting stuff from one place to another. And, you know, I mean, maybe because I would... uh, I... Uh... Okay. No, I try to give credit where it's due. I really do. Uh, Jesse Kelly, talk show host out of Houston, responding to a statement yesterday by Donald Trump, who said, if we don't solve the presidential election fraud of 2020, which we have thoroughly and conclusively documented, Republicans will not be voting in 22 or 24. It is the single most important thing for Republicans to do. Jesse Kelly says, number one, Election fraud is a big deal, and Democrats do it every chance they get and have for a long time, and we better stop them. Number two, the most popular Republican in America telling his supporters their vote doesn't matter is the dumbest, most suicidal thing I have ever seen. And I agree with Brother Kelly on on both those points. On both those points. So, anyway... um, I guess it's about time to to wrap it up, and I really appreciate you putting up with me for this long. Um, it's uh, <laughs> it's very kind of you, and and I appreciate uh, hearing from everybody. We're getting emails. We're going to try to catch up. Uh, we're going to try to work out the bugs, but um, but but God bless you. We we really appreciate you you putting up with us, and we really appreciate you telling people, telling people about the new Doc Washburn show. And we're grateful. I'm grateful that God has put together a team of people to, uh, to help me do this. And so, anyway, um, I guess we will see you tomorrow. Same time, same bat station. I'm Doc Washburn, over and out.